had an amazing week. I'm so thankful for you, church. Believing, giving, praying, participating, supporting, and working to pull off the marriage conference that was the best that Don and I have ever been to. It was unbelievable. Uh, there's not DVDs because of copyright and CDs. I, I wish I'd get it to you. We, we have learned how to fight good and how to resolve conflict and the reactive cycle. I mean, I'm just so thankful. Yeah, I want to pick up some of Greg and Aaron Smalley's books in the bookstore. They're really good. Hopefully they'll come back. And it was so fun partnering with other two churches, Evangel and Landmark. And, and all the people are saying all weekend, can we do this more? Because it's the heart of Jesus. And the church said, just unity, unifying us. Uh, we've got common differences on some things, but we can agree on the shed blood, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? And we came together. Anyway, it was so much fun. I'm just like, wow. But this morning, we're in 1 Peter. So along two weeks, a couple of funerals, marriage conference, regular ministry. Jeff has some pretty major surgery. He's doing really well, as you see. It's just crazy. And then this 1 Peter, and I've been studying and put it down, and I picked it back up yesterday. and went, oh, my goodness, what have I jumped into? And I got more hours and more hours. As a matter of fact, it was so intense last night because I just – you just didn't understand. It just, it just didn't feel right. And I got up super, super early this morning and spent hours in my study again. Now I'm out here, and I just got to confess, y'all, I'm nervous today. I don't know why. That's not like me. You're like, hey, we're going to get a short sermon. Praise God. <laughs> you ain't going to get off that easy. Now, I'm going to get misunderstood today. I'm going to get understood today. I'm going to make some of you mad. I'm going to make some of you happy. And some of you aren't going to care. <laughs> And it's what we did in seminary. It's called theological pursuit, studies. And there's just some words. If you'll just look at your outline, there's some words that some of you are like, hallelujah. I knew I wanted those words at our church. And some of you are like, I don't even know what it means. I'm going to learn today. So I'm going to walk us through. And there's going to be Calvinists and there's going to be Arminians. And you're going to go, I don't know what they are. That's okay. Don't worry about it. The bottom line is we're just going to agree to love Jesus. And we're going to agree that there might be some room for disagreement and some difference of thought. And the church said, I can live with attention. Amen? We've been doing that since we started. We've been a church that embraced the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts, and that gave a little room for tension. When we started 19 years ago, we embraced a new paradigm called contemporary worship, and we were willing to live with the tension of that, and now we see how many do that. Whoa! whoa, whoa. That, was, that was a wasp. I don't know where he came from. I'm highly allergic to him. I told you this would be a short service. Let's pray and go home. <laughs> now, there's an anointing in this room. I know that. Because the middle screen went down for the marriage conference, and Jeff and the team did miracles to get it online. And now I must be fixing to say something that's powerful, because Lucifer, would y'all let me know if he comes again? Okay. See, the other day, I got up and I gave some announcements, and behind me, they were doing Twitter feeds that were hilarious, and I thought, I'm not that funny, and people were laughing. It was the stuff behind me, but if that wasp comes, that is not funny. Say, Pastor, run, run. Somebody asked me today, say, are you going to be funny? I said, no, this is really deep, and then demon shows up. Okay, here we go. All right, let me pray, because I'm all shook up. Lord, thank you for my friends. Thank you for the church. Thank you for the wonderful gospel. Speak today, Lord. Enlighten our minds and our hearts. Help us to grow in grace and knowledge of Jesus today. Amen. First Peter, 
is a handbook for Christian living. We're going to learn that over the weeks to come. It's foundational and it's necessary to build spiritual maturity in the life of a believer. Jesus gave Peter some tasks. And one of the tasks that he gave Peter was, I want you to feed and I want you to strengthen the sheep, Peter. I want you to feed the sheep. I want you to equip the sheep. And I want you to build up the church. And we're going to see why that seemed very unlikely as we get into it. And then he says, now, Peter, I want you to help the people to stand fast in grace. I want them to be grace-oriented. I want them to love God. I want them to love me. And so a regular reading of this book, would you just turn to 1 Peter if you haven't already turned there? A regular reading intake of this book should reside in our hearts. We should participate in. I'll invite you to go ahead, not now, but this afternoon, this week, read 1 Peter. Read the first chapter. Just continue to read it. Let it, let it get in, into who you are. Let God navigate you through the Holy Spirit, through the Word. I, I pray it's not enough just for me to read it to you, to, to talk about it, to make points, for you to go to ABF or Life Group. Those are all great. You, you need to study. Would, would you all become students of God's Word? Church, would you study God's Word on your own? See, if you have Christ, if you have the Holy Spirit, he's a resident teacher, you can study God's word for yourself. Now, I will do all I can to try to help you and to enlighten, and I ask God for illumination that I can inspire and motivate and challenge you. I love that. that that's my gift. That's my heart. But you need to do it for yourself. You need, you need to read it. So I'm not going to read all these statements. You see the purpose and the author and whom it was written and all that. And I just put, you know, it's kind of opening the epistle. So we look at it together and go, man, that, that's kind of interesting. It was written in, you know, it was, you know, as these Jewish Christians spread out through Asia Minor. Do you know, who, you know where Asia Minor is today? Right in parentheses, modern-day Turkey. See, if we look at Bible maps, we will see all these places that we see in Peter. But today it would just be Turkey. Okay, let, let's look here in verse 1 and 2. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, strangers in the world, scattered throughout Pont Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. We're just going to do those verses. We're, we're, we're going to talk about that today and about how it could encourage us on the endless journey. But I want you to know what I'm learning about Peter. God was very patient with Peter. Are y'all glad? Because he's patient with you and he's patient with me. And Peter, in the early times, you don't think Peter is going to be the leader of anything. I mean, nothing. I mean, like, not even his own family, much less disciples, much less the church, much less address the Jerusalem council. Not, not Peter. He, he's not the guy. But when you find somebody with leadership gifts and capacity and a past like Peter, there's hope for all of us. Because God used him. He, he restored him. Would you just write in the side today, God restores Peter. And God can restore you this morning just like he did Peter. That, that's good news that we, we need to celebrate. So who is Peter? i, I got to start with that. Peter was a, and, and let's throw it down there, who is Peter? you got room to write. Peter was a fisherman. I don't know if he was foul-mouthed or crusty or what he was, but he probably stunk and he worked long hours. And I know he was impetuous and I know he was all about himself. And he was down there around the Sea of Galilee and he moved later to a place called Capernaum. And Peter had, you know, he did his business there. And he had a brother. Do you know Peter's brother's name? His brother's name was Andrew. And he, and he loved his brother deeply. And, 
And he had a dad, and, and, and when you read the scriptures, dad's name was Jonah or Jonas or John, depending on what translation you have. And in the Hebrew, he would be called Simon, son of Jonah. Even Jesus referred to him with that name. But his original name wasn't Peter. What was it? Simon. That's where we get Simon says. No, I, I don't know, but he goes, Simon. I don't know where that came from. Help me. But, but Simon. And you even see in Scripture, he's referred back to Simon. And even Jesus calls him Simon, Simon Peter, because he, he renames him. And Simon means, this is hilarious, one who hears. <laughs> I'm not sure Peter heard. Sometimes he heard, sometimes he had his ears stopped up, but, but, but he was okay. He's a, he, you know, he, he didn't hear, I think he probably heard everything Jesus said. He just didn't decide to put it into action, kind of like us. And, and when we hear jokes, or you look at the Catholic Church, the, the first pope was Peter. And when we tell jokes, remember all these jokes that were really bad years ago? And we always go, and when you get to heaven, who's going to be at the gate? St. Peter. Everybody goes, Peter, Peter, Peter. We don't know. I mean, people just make that stuff up. Peter's going to be there. And he's going to do this, and he's going to do that. And usually he's the, the blunt of just horrible jokes. Let me tell you some other things Peter was. Peter was married, we know, from study of his life. So he was a married man. He had a wife. Uh, he had a mother-in-law. And all the people said, amen? <laughs> Y'all thought that was funny. Okay. And uh, so he, he, I don't know what his relationship was with his mother-in-law. I, I can only imagine before Jesus really restored him and did something powerful. Uh, do you think Peter ever back-talked his mother-in-law or said some stuff? I'm just in the margin now, okay? I don't have a scripture for this. I just think he probably did. He was impulsive. He was strong-willed. Wasn't that interesting? Peter was a strong-willed guy. Do I have any strong-willed people in the living room this morning? Would you hold your hand up? Hold them up higher. Yeah. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I want to see if you're, if you're married to one of those. Are there two people together? Oh, Leon and Molly, y'all are both strong-willed. Glory to God. Yeah, okay. All right, the marriage conference was yesterday and Friday. Okay, you missed that one. Okay, you, you should have been there for that. Okay, impulsive, strong-willed, really tough. One time, uh, there, there's a scripture, and, and Peter's tracking with Jesus. He, he's, he's hanging out with his Lord, with his master, and he's over there in the Garden of Gethsemane, and, and they come to arrest Jesus. And Peter, no, you will not take my Lord. And he drew his sword out, and he cut the dude's ear off. I love that story. I think that is so cool. You're like, you're into blood. Well, I am. I'm a guy. Okay, I just thought it was awesome. And, and in, in the Passion of the Christ, they showed that. And then Jesus went over there and he did something and the ear was reattached. I, I just got to think, that was awesome. Y'all are just like, big deal. Guys, that's a miracle. Can you say miracle? Yeah, I mean, that was a miracle. But, but, but he was that hothead. He, he was self-confident. And that served him well. Sometimes he got him in trouble. And let me just tell you another thing right now. Peter was extremely prideful. He was full of himself. He eventually submits and surrenders to Jesus and walks with Christ, but, he, but he's in a tough place. He was self-confident. He was prideful. He struggled with legalism, I know, reading Galatians. He struggled with hypocrisy. He struggled with a lot of stuff that you and I struggle with. But let me tell you another thing was, write it down. Peter was tenderhearted. He was a tender man. Jesus called him to be a shepherd. Jesus told him to love sheep, people. I want to be like Peter. Yeah, I'm prideful. Sometimes I want to be. I'm self-confident. I'm impetuous. I'm impulsive. But I want to be tenderhearted. Do you want to be tenderhearted? And that's who Peter was. He was a great shepherd 
of the church of sheep, and he wanted to honor them. And um, he was Simon in the flesh. That's who he was naturally. And then becomes Peter, becomes the rock. Jesus says, I'll build my church upon the foundation of Christ. But Peter, you're, you're my man. Peter, you're the rock. There, there's a name change. I mean, I, I love that. And he's going to be there, and he's going to hang with Jesus to the end. So there's a historical identity of, of, of Simon, of Simon Peter. And then we get up where he's preaching at Pentecost, and he's preaching at three, all these thousands and three thousands People give their lives to, to God. They come to Christ. I mean, I'm thinking, man, that was probably the greatest sermon that I've ever seen. But there's, there's a name change. And in you and I, has there been a name change? So, yeah. Maybe not from who I was, but I'm a Christian now. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm, I'm now forgiven. I'm, I'm now tenderhearted toward other people. I'm, I move in faith. And then, and then Jesus, let's just look at it here. He goes, and, and, and Peter, do you love me? And Jesus asked him that three times. Now let me ask you, okay, we just finished the marriage conference, so let's go ahead and, and think about it. Does it annoy you when somebody asks you the same question over and over? No, man, don't be sissies, come on. Does it annoy you when somebody asks you the same question over and over? Yeah, you're like, I heard you the first time. But you didn't respond the first time. I was processing. I was thinking. I was thinking about my reflective position that I would give you back. And, and as Greg and Aaron talked about, I love this. Uh, Aaron is a nurse by profession, so she loves to do research. And, 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 and I never heard this. Donna, you're going to hear this many times, baby. I'm sorry, but I loved it. You know how us men, we stare off, and our wives think, what, what are you thinking? Are you plotting your position? We go, Nothing. Guys, is it not true? We're really thinking about nothing. I mean, we just have the ability. We can just like zero off like nothing. Now, your wives, do your wives ever turn it off? No. I mean, they're constantly thinking about the dishwasher needs to be in this position and it needs all, the table needs to be set and there's dust on the blinds. Can I just have a timeout? Do, do y'all lay in the bed, men, thinking about we need to dust the house? I mean, that doesn't cross my radar. I mean, and, and I'm a pretty neat guy, but I mean, I'm not thinking, we need to have mopping and dusting today. That's just been keeping me awake all night. It just ain't going to happen, okay? And I know, and then we have this thing today called ESPN, and we just drift off, and, and we do nothing. Just, and, and guys, let's just go ahead and be honest. We watch the same play over and over and over, and then we go, that was so good. And your wife walks in the room, hey, you got to see this. My wife don't care. It's not a big deal. Does your wife care? Okay, okay. I don't mean for this to be a marriage seminar, but it's just kind of working. I, you know, I've, I've been impacted by this all weekend. So let me, I want you to write down the thought, sinful or spiritual. Peter was sinful. He became extremely spiritual. You and I are the same way. We make sinful choices daily. We do the things that we don't want to do. But we can be restored by Christ, by his grace, by his fellowship, and we become extremely spiritual in Christ so Peter goes for it. Here, here it is, just right in here. He goes from failure to faithful, from clay to rock. I love that. He becomes the rock. But he, he's this guy, and, he, and he's really kind of a mess up, a crackpot, failure, and he becomes incredibly faithful. And, and that's a great quality for you and I, young and old. Lord, help us to be faithful as a church. Help us to be faithful as individuals. God, that we're just faithful to Christ. We're faithful to his word. We're faithful to studying, reading 
believing, meditating, ruminating, whatever. We just spend time, God, I want to love your word. And then, God, I want to do it. I want, I want to apply it, God. It's not enough. The Bible says faith without works is dead. So, God, help me to activate my faith. As we walk through First Peter, I hope you find some things that you want to activate your faith in. There's more written about Peter in the four Gospels than anybody else. He's a preeminent character. Jesus is a central figure, but Peter is there often. And you can just read the New Testament, and you keep seeing Peter's name, and you see how important he is. And, and then I, I want you to see this. What do we know about Peter? Write down Luke 5, 5. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night. We haven't caught anything. Because you say so, I'll let down the nets. You know what he learns? He learns obedience. Peter learns to obey Christ. He doesn't first want to do it, and neither do we, if we're quite honest. But he learned obedience. And, and as a Christ follower, we have to learn obedience. Would you agree with that, people? We have to learn that. Some of you, I know you came, you came out of the womb and you were obeying. Your mom said burp and you burped on command. And your mom said do this and you did it. I mean, it was just amazing. And you have people like me and, and they tell you to do stuff and you did the opposite. It, it, am I a good company? Yeah, he had to learn obedience. Listen to Matthew 14, 31. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and he caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? Peter had to learn faith. Peter didn't have this great faith in his early journey. He had to learn faith, and you and I learn faith by hearing the Word of God. And as God gives us faith, and He grows our faith, and He uh, deepens our faith, we learn faith, we trust in faith. In John 18, 10, Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it, struck it on the high uh, priest's servant, and cut off his ear. Here it is. Peter just acts tough, okay? It, that wasn't a real good thing of Peter. And here's another one. In verse 25, Peter tells lies. Everybody told a lie this week, stand up. No, don't, don't do that. But Peter, Peter tells lies, and, and here's how I know that. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was still standing there warming himself by the fire. So they asked him, you aren't, are, you aren't one of his disciples, are you? And he did, he did not. It. Oh, no, I am not. I am not one of his. Three times he denied Jesus. Now, this was not Peter's finest moment, church. He has a finer moment. Is anybody getting encouraged already by this study? I am. Because I'm already thinking, wow, man. God takes misfits like Peter, and he uses them to build the kingdom of God. And, and this book comes to us through inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And wow, I'm much better. And then John 21, 17, the third time he says to Simon, Simon, John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, oh, Lord, you know all these things. You know that I love you. And then Jesus said, okay, then, then go feed my sheep. Go be tenderhearted. Go feed them, but go love them. Because you said you love me. You know, earlier you denied me. Now, now you say you love me. So, so this is a good thing. He fails and then he's restored. Here's what I want to say. You and I are useful to God when we get our hearts right with Christ. And God can restore us and he can use us in profound ways if we're willing. So just in this early part, just as we're looking right here together, who is Peter? Man, he's a man of a lot of quality, a lot of depth, a lot of characteristics that we've gone about. Now, let, let's move into this. This, this. this is the part that is like just so exciting, okay? This, this is where, how do I say this? I mean, I pray about this so much. This is where denominations are built. This is where churches split. This is where Christians get angry. And I want none of that. I, I just, uh, matter of fact, I'm going to hold up a book today. 
because I, I'll just tell you, I, I'm Armenian trained. It means I believe in free will and choice, and, and, and that's the way I read Scripture. That's my grid. I'm very proud of my heritage. And then we have Calvinists that have come to our church, belong to our church, love God, love Jesus. We just don't sit around and fight about it because I've already had those discussions at seminary. I don't, I don't really want to sit around and write papers. I've already written them again. And, and if you want to do that, that's great. But I want to hold up a book today, and I meant to put it on the bottom but I didn't, I forgot. It's called Debating Calvinism by David Hunt and James White, okay? So, you, and if you want to know more, just come. And, and this is two scholars on the subject, and one does his side, and the other one does his side. And every chapter, every issue, they go through it. They go through the tulip theology of the Calvinists, and they go through Arminian, and it just gets incredibly deep. And, and I went back, and I felt like I was back at Emory again this week studying, and it's really fascinating and, and why not hold that up? Because I want you to do this. I just want you to show yourself approved, and I want you to love God's word, and I want you to believe God's word, and I want you to be able to defend your faith. And the church said, I want to defend my faith, and I want to love Jesus. Amen? And I don't want you to be angry. See, I've been around angry Christians. I, I don't like them. <coughs> That's like they got a demon in them. I don't know. And, and like, oh, oh, spiritual gifts. There's... There's 27, there's, there's six, there's, there's a dispensation, there's this. They, they, and they just fight over everything like, dude, they will know we are his disciples by the way we love one another. I don't love you. I just want to fight you. No, no, no. And, and can the church say, time out. Let's be the bride of Christ, okay? Th this weekend, if I took you through the theological differences of Landmark Church of Christ, Evangel Assembly of God, and Christ's community. I could create three churches. I could show you great diversity. But here's the beautiful thing. We presented the body of Christ in unity, loving the Savior. And it was awesome. Amen. Come on, church. That's good news. Yeah. So we, I, I mean, I, I, man, I'm going to keep you to one, so just, just get warmed up, okay? I mean, man, I got a lot of stuff. No, here's the cool thing. You know what's already, there's no pressure on me today. I'm going to preach when that clock gives me a time. I'm just going to sit down, and you're going to go, eh. Well, that's okay. Do that when you get home. The great news is you don't really have blanks to fill out. So, okay, let's, let's keep going. All right, the elect, geographically in this region, uh, Peter here, all kind of verses we could talk about that. And in and, and, and second chapter, Peter goes, you are a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You can go through all the Bible and you can see where you're, you're elect, where you're chosen. And you could build your theological grid and I understand that. And then I could come on the other side and I could show you the free will and, and all that kind of stuff. And we could just sit here and we could get in a, a, a gridlock and, and that wouldn't bring honor to Christ. I just here's what I want you to do. I just want you to love God. I want you to love Jesus. I want you to study the Word, and so I want to try to give you tools that might help you in this pursuit. Um, here we go. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? The Word says you have been the elect of God, which always brings up a debate. It's been a debate going on for thousands of years. It's a debate about God's election, predestination versus volition and free will. And a lot of times people go, well, pastor, what do you think about predestination? What do you think about free will and all this? And I know, like, man, that's a loaded question. And, and then you want to go, well, let's talk about once saved, always saved. And you want to talk about this. Can, can I just tell you, when I read my Bible, I see that God wants me and you to be like Jesus. And God is into holiness. If you want to talk to me about scripture holiness, we'll stay up till tomorrow. And I'll go to Starbucks. I won't drink coffee. I'll start drinking hot chocolate so I can stay awake. 
because I love the holiness of God. But that's another series, maybe one day. So you choose God. You, you worship him. For, listen to this. I want you to write down 1 Timothy 2.4. You've got to see this verse. This is the camp that I come out of because you can argue both sides, and, and that's not the purpose of their intent. But 1 Timothy 2.4 God who wants all people to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. I could take you through 93 times, whosoever, everyone. It is God's will that none should perish, but all come to repentance in Jesus Christ. And the church said, that means whosoever. I'm a whosoever, and you're a whosoever. The gospel is good news, and it's for everybody. Whosoever will come, uh, Ezekiel 33, 4. And if anyone hears the trumpet but does not heed the warning and the sword comes and takes their life, their blood will be on their own head. Romans 10, 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be... Is that good news? Man, it's great news. And it says everyone, the New King James Version says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord. Whoever, everyone, same word basically. It means anybody. All I know is God loves you. God pursues you. God desires to have a relationship with you. That's why I preach. I want people to love Christ. When these people died like St. John and Jessica, I want to get them home to their heavenly home with Jesus to rule forever. That's the goal of the gospel, is to live for Christ and to have a forgiveness in this life and mercy and gifts and joy and grace and be light to a dark world that they might see your life and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And then one day, say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Let's keep moving. Strangers, look at this right here, strangers. I love this word, alien. I started to call this message today something with aliens, and that would have just freaked everybody out. Peter says, you're aliens, you're strangers, you're sojourners, you're pilgrims, you're just passing through this land. Do y'all realize that? We just stop off here for a while, and some for a few years, some for a lot of years, and then we, we go. We're just strangers. We should not be of the world, but we're in the world to call others out of the world to love Christ. So we just go, God, I, I love you. I, I, I'm, I'm not expected. Just write in your notes today, stranger. I'm not expected to fit in. If you want to have the light of Christ and reflect the gospel of grace, you're not to fit in every situation. Doesn't mean you're rude. Doesn't mean you're prideful. Does not mean you're obnoxious. It just means my life has been bought with a price. I am not my own. I am different. I belong to Christ. I remember, I remember distinctly when I came to faith in Jesus Christ, I was a hellion. Can I just go ahead and tell you? Can you say that with me? Our pastor was a hellion. No, don't say that with me. I was. Long-haired, Delta Cog, Greek letters on my chest. They, I, I was so proud of myself. And, 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 and I thought life was really good. And then the grace of God arrested me. It changed me. I got regenerated. It's like, oh, God, you are so good. He chose me. He pursued me. And I, had a, I got a relationship with him. I'm like, God, this is what I want. I was, you know, in you. But, but what happened is I came to Christ, and then all of a sudden people go, yeah, you're not the same. You don't want to party. You don't want to do these things you've been doing. What is wrong with you? And, and then I got labeled, you're a Jesus freak. That is, a, that is not a very enduring, I, I did not like that word. If you had just said you're a follower of Jesus, I said, that's awesome. Just call me freak. There's something about, hey, freak. I mean, that's not like how to win friends and influence people. But what I realized was people were watching. They were observing the fruit of my life. 
And there was nothing good in me. It was only Christ through the Holy Spirit living in me that gave me strength to overcome the craziness of the past. For the Bible says I was transferred from the dominion of darkness and I got transferred into the kingdom of light to the Son in whom he loves. And that's good news, church. And it was new. That's been so long ago now, almost four decades. And it's hard for me to remember what I used to be like. I mean, y'all are looking at me now going, man, you're a mess already, man. I, I know that. And I know some of you too. So if, if you want to come up next Sunday, we'll let you speak and you talk about your past. It'll be glorious. Okay, so, so here, strangers, chosen. And then let's get in this foreknowledge. I, I love this. God knew from eternity past. There, there's a great word. It's called omniscience. Don't you love that word? Isn't that a great theological word? Omniscience. It's not in the Bible, okay? You will not find the word omniscience in there. It's a theological term. Omniscience means that God is all-knowing. How many of you believe God knows everything, past, present, and future? I do. Yeah, he's omniscient. You're like, well, that's just a 50-cent word. Why don't you just say God knows everything? Well, okay, you can use that word. So he, he, he knows and he loves you. Jeremiah, the Bible says, God set you apart for his purpose. He set you apart to be a prophet to the nations. God set you apart to be a light. When I look at you, I think where y'all serve in the military and businesses and in schools and, and, and so many different vocations in this place. God set you apart for his purpose, to be a light in a cold and dark world. Let's move. So, foreknowledge. God knows. God's knowledge is, I love this, it's immediate, comprehensive, without deterioration. It's not accumulated knowledge that we get. Uh, AUM students, let's pick on y'all. Y'all are going to school. How many of y'all have already mastered all the subjects at AUM, but you haven't been to the class? You're going, crud, I don't even master the ones I'm in. Okay, all right, I understand. But God, see, God, God's not up there going, huh, I don't understand. Whoa, I amaze myself. He's God. He knows everything. He's omniscient. How many of you have strength when you run to a God that is sovereign and in rule of his universe and he rules and he knows everything from beginning to end and he is in charge and he is authority forever? Do you love that kind of God? That's the kind of God we worship. Man, death, man, death is a big deal to us. Death is nothing final for the Christian. Man, God takes care of that. That's Easter. Come back for that one. Okay. You know, God never Googles and uses Wikipedia. I mean, God's not sitting around on a cell phone going, hey, angels, I don't know that one. Let me look it up. He is the source of truth. He is the source of knowledge. He's not fooled. He's not deceived. God is not mocked, the Bible says. Wow. God knows everything. You know what? I want you to get this thought. God knows everything about you and me. This, this is astounding. God knows everything about us. And he still loves us. See, in this life, we hide. If people know me, if they know that about me, they won't like me. They will reject me. But God sees and he knows all. Wow, I got quiet in here. It's a good moment. Lord, we love you. And look at the word sprinkling. I, I, I love this. this. This really just kind of brings power of gospel. It means you're being transformed. You're being changed. In Exodus chapter 24, there's, there's a passage that's going to come up on the screen right here, I think. There it is. Look at that. I want to read it to you. 
Moses took half of the blood and he put it in bowls, and the other half he splashed against the altar. And then he took the book of the covenant and he read it to the people. And they responded, we will do everything the Lord has said. We will obey. Good deal. Moses then took the blood, sprinkled it on the people, and said, this is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Basically what happens here is God is sprinkling. The oxen, they would... Uh, in the Old Testament, you can even say about the red heifer, they would take the, the heifer, they would take the ox, and, and, and they, they would cut it, and they would have a, a basin that would, would catch all the blood of the animal as they cut it. And then Moses would take something with some hyssop, and, and he, would, he, would, he, would dip, he would dip it into there, and then he would, as it got saturated with the blood, then he would pull it out, and he would sprinkle it on the people. And the blood was atonement, the blood was sacrifice, because the high priest did this for the people. Now, they, they had to do this, you know, annually at least. I mean, but today, I love when the New Testament comes into being and Jesus says, and without shedding of blood, there is no remission, no forgiveness of sins. But once and for all, when Jesus shed his blood at the cross, there's no more sacrifice. It is sufficient. Isn't that good news? Yeah. And you're like, ooh, I'm so glad you don't have a basin of blood. And let me tell you, guys, I think the temple stunk. There were sacrifices, dead animals. I mean, can you imagine like, Jeff, dude, there's an ox over there. There's a lamb. There's blood flowing down. And then they'd have these drains down through the temple. I mean, you're going, dude, I don't want to get on the floor with that stuff. I know, like, can you imagine your kids running around in a temple? Anyway, just, just a thought. Okay, I'm sorry. I don't want to mess it up for you. But put your trust in the mercy, in the blood of Christ. He's the high priest that will live forever. Guys, I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just, man, i got so much. I, I told you, I'm just going to stop. We're going to come back next week. And we're going to just pick up here, finishing out two, three, and just begin to walk. I, my, my prayer is that we're just going to grow together as Christ followers, and we're going to maybe get some truth we've never known. Or maybe get reaffirmed in how we love Christ. I'm, I'm going to invite the team to come. Man, this is so free. And I, I just cannot explain to y'all because it's not like, oh, I'm on a time clock, i got to do this. It's like, you know, I'll just come back next week. And if I don't, then Jeff will finish it next week. It'll be amazing. You know, I, like, hey, our pastor went to heaven, so we'll finish it up. Okay. First Peter. Hey, are y'all excited about studying First Peter together? Okay, good. Yeah, that was about 30 of you. That's awesome, man. Okay. All right. How many of you will read 1 Peter this week, at least chapter 1? Okay, everybody. 1 Peter, chapter 1. We're going we're gonna to pray together as we prepare to do a great closing song this morning. And uh, I'm going to, wow, those things are way out there. I'm, I'm going to walk over there. Love to pray for people if you want to do that. The altar's open. And I, we're going to do a great song called Jesus Paid It All. And man, it's uh, really, really powerful. So on that song, I invite you to stand. But before you do that, why don't you go ahead and stand with me, and let's have a, a prayer. And then I'll be over on the side if you'd like to talk about any of these issues or pray together. Lord God, I thank you for this morning, for your presence, for the authority of the word. And God, we want to lean on you today, and we want your blood to be applied to our lives. Touch us with your blood. Cover us by your blood, Lord Jesus, and find us faithful as we purpose to follow you. I pray somebody today, if they need salvation, they'd cry out to the Lord, 
whosoever, everyone that calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Would you call unto Jesus? He's here. Make that your prayer. Let me know if you want to do that. I'll be over here. God, you're to be honored in your house forever and ever. May the eternal praises raise in this house to the King. Amen.